Hello, this is Rob Nesbitt with the Nezzy on Brass podcast. In this episode of the podcast, I talk to Dave Collins, who is a composer based in Manchester and plays cornet with the Milnrow Band. Dave writes for brass bands and has produced some superb original pieces and arrangements. He is composer in residence for two bands and composer in association for my own band, Ebba Valley Brass. We recently recorded a CD featuring one of Dave's commissions, entitled Steel, which celebrates Ebba Valley Brass's amazing run with three consecutive UK national wins in three different sections. His music is inspiring and very enjoyable to listen to and play. I caught up with Dave recently at his home in Manchester via Skype. Without further ado, let's dive straight into the interview. When did your playing career begin and which brass bands have you played with? Well, um, my playing career started when I was about eight years old or so. I started learning the trumpet through Rochdale Music Services that came around uh, schools and I was fortunate to be able to have lessons with Ian Portals and uh, Eric Landon, Ian Nelson. It was a fantastic opportunity to, to learn from some great people, very inspirational people. So um, I grew up in the music service at Rochdale, had lots of opportunities in the wind bands with Fred Bowker and the bid bands with Alec Wares before moving into uh, sort of contesting adult bands. The first band I ever played with was um, Dob Cross Youth Band and we played Prelude and Jubilate by Daryl Barry. That was my first experience of an adult contest. After that, I moved into the Milner Band, and I was with them uh, for a few years before I moved to university up in Durham. Uh, while I was there, I played with uh, the Fishburne Band, which I thoroughly enjoyed and played some fantastic events with them. Uh, I really enjoyed playing the Scottish Open with them on um, Music for Battle Creek. I really enjoyed that. At the minute, now I'm back playing with the Milner Band again, which is fantastic because it's about five-minute walk from my house. Really great band and enjoying playing in a in a fantastic band once again. So how do you manage to fit in all this, because you're composing as well, around playing? Because if you're with Milner, I'm assuming you're doing several rehearsals a week, plus all the contests, concerts and everything else that goes with it. Where do you find the time? Well, I'm very fortunate at the minute that I... I'm able to not really have a proper job. I'm able to use the time in the day to write. And there's enough people asking me to write things for them that keeps me ticking over, which is brilliant. I work a couple of days a week in a school, uh, another day in a pub, but that gives me a lot of free time during the day to to write things and then uh, have the evenings free to to play uh, with Milne Rand. You know, be more flexible with my time to attend extra rehearsals, competitions, things like that. So, yeah, I'm quite fortunate at the minute with some good commissions coming in to yes. be able to do that sort of as a, as a job. Yeah. You said said it's not a proper job. Sounds like a dream job to me. Well, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard work sometimes, very hard work. Yeah. That's your playing career. Is You're still heavily involved in it, but um, your educational background, you said you went to Durham University. Um, what was yeah. the course that you studied and... How did that go for you? I uh, went to Durham, as you said. I was at uh, Grey College and I studied music. So my degree is in music generally, but followed a specialism in composition and arranging. So I had arranging classes with Ray Farr and Bennett Zon. So I was able to learn about uh, band orchestration and 
band arranging, which is very interesting. Conducting with Ray Farr and Hugh Thomas as well, Blackburn and Darwin band. So I was able to sort of essentially choose modules that really interested me. University was a, a great time. Got involved a lot in a lot of shows, did a lot of playing in different bands in the northeast. Uh, really enjoyed it and came out with a, a first class honours degree in composition, which was all right for three years of a lot of fun, really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. What, I know all about university. My daughter's doing music in Cardiff University yeah. at the moment, and uh, yeah. it seems like Freshers' Week has gone on for months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think I did particularly too much work. You know, it was it was all stuff you wanted to do, so it didn't feel it didn't feel like uh, like much effort really. Yeah. So I did an awful lot. Yeah, they say that if you're enjoying it, it doesn't seem like work. No, unless you're right. Um, exactly. So from there, where did you go from university? Yeah, so I graduated from Durham in 2003. I had a couple of years out uh, working, um, building up uh, my composition skills and my portfolio. I'm currently doing a master's in composition at the University of Salford. So there we've been with uh, Alan Williams and Robin Dewhurst and Brett Baker doing pure composition in a composition portfolio, community music, engaging with uh, community musicians. And I did a project through that with, with Sail Brass, where we were put on a workshop of new music. I'm doing that part-time, so I'm a year in. I've got one more year to go, and uh, hopefully we'll graduate uh, with a master's in musical composition. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So talking of your of composition, I I mean I've dabbled in it myself, but I've got no academic background whatsoever. But obviously mm. you, you've been you've done it the full hog really. Um, what's your approach to a composition? I'm talking about um, your own stuff. It's not something that's been commissioned. Something totally out of your own head. Where does the idea come from, and sort of how do you develop it into a piece of music? I would say that I'm a very conceptual composer, I would say. I like an idea. I like a, um, a concept that I can turn into a piece. And these come at random times, really random times. They'll just be walking somewhere. They'll often come when you're thinking about something else. Yeah. You're concentrating on driving or you're, uh, you're walking to the band room. And they'll come when you're just sort of absent-mindedly thinking and you'll just get a spark in your head and that, that spark might sit with you for weeks and weeks and weeks until you're able to figure it out into a into a into a concept. So I would say, yeah, that's how ideas start uh, as a just sort of a, a, a brief idea that then take weeks to develop into something more solid and more structured. Yeah, and and what's the process for doing that? Is it on piano or is it purely on software? I'll try to think up something uh, on the piano. Um, I often arrange compose and arrange quite um, horizontally so have a have a theme have a direction where it's going I um, I like to see um, see an overall shape rather than continually edit vertically if that makes sense yeah so I'm always working horizontally for the overall shape and I will just edit and edit and edit if something get a tune get a chord structure sometimes the tune comes first Sometimes a chord structure comes first. A lot of the work that I write is often quite rhythmical, so therefore the rhythmic divisions will come first. But once I've got that framework, I can then build, edit, and uh, create a piece that's uh, worthy of performance, hopefully. You say editing. Are you a constant editor, or 
once you've got there, you think, yeah, that's it, I, I put it in the bag, or do you keep revisiting the piece? I constantly edit pieces of music. There is not a piece probably that I've not edited at some point. Every band that plays it will give you a different insight in how the piece will work. One moment might work fantastically, and then the next moment might not. They might need tweaking a bit. So there's always something you can do, always you know, corners that can be made clearer. Yeah, so I would say I edit constantly. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know the feeling well because you know the cartoon work and stuff I do. The trouble with me is sometimes I overwork it. Oh. And with with music, if you, it's great because you can you can go back and, and edit it. But with artwork, it's a bit different sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's what's your chosen uh, music software? Do you use a variety or do you stick to one like Sibelius or maybe something? Yeah, else? I do use Sibelius. That is a program that I use, uh, which is very useful. I don't think I've scratched the surface on what it can do, really. I think it's quite powerful, but I, I don't really use it for that. I imagine Sibelius is just a, a graphics tool. You know, you shouldn't compose on Sibelius the sound that you want to hear, because obviously it'll sound different when you get to a live band. Yeah. So I don't really go into all the tricks it can do. Just merely try and use it, like yourself, as a, as, as a graphics tool to get something down on paper that then can then be realised by real musicians. So with some of your work, do you work in tandem with your own band? You know, you try bits out on them or... Yeah, certainly. It's great having these links with the, the three bands that I do, Borzest and Fishburne and Ebba Valley. It's brilliant to uh, try an idea. Um, often I'll come up with a con concept or a, an idea and fire it across them. How does this sound? How does this work? And the fantastic variety of musicians will give me honest feedback on it and sometimes they will say it is awful <laughs> they will absolutely say it up in Fishburne uh, they do not uh, mince their words if something is if they don't like something they will tell you there's a yeah brilliant lad uh, brilliant lad up in Fishburne who says oh yeah I like this piece that you've written uh, all the other ones are absolute rubbish but this one's all right <laughs> The thing is, though, it's better to have honest feedback than they're just being kind and saying, "Yeah, that's great, that's great, and it's all great." It's like it's like friends and family; they, they'll always say it's good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, really... exactly. That detachment and and they're never being mean. They're giving you a sort of, you know, honest opinion. And these are the bands people that you want to want to impress most because easier every day. People who go to band to enjoy themselves. If they're not enjoying performing the music. It could be the most conceptual piece ever. You know, it could have a great concept and a, a great backstory. And you know, I'm using these chords and doing this. But if it doesn't come off the page as a piece of music, then you're sort of failing as a, as a composer, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you ever sit there and a piece of music that you've written, when, when you've heard it yourself for the first time, sounds nothing like what you expected? Or was it quite a bit away from what you thought it would be? All the time. Yeah, I never uh, will go to a performance and think that's exactly how I wanted it. Everybody interprets it differently. Uh, so on what I might put down on the page, somebody might, might see something different or hear something different, uh, which is great if people hear something different in the music. So no, it's never exactly how, how you imagine it to be, no. Do you ever get um, composer's block, you know, like they say there's writer's block and artist block. Do you ever get that? You can't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of times 
when you when you can't think of anything to write. As it says, it's it's all about this seed of an idea, and you may have an idea, but you don't know how to develop that, and that takes, and say sometimes weeks and weeks to to come to fruition. Uh, other times you might have just a, an arrangement to do. You don't have to think up a concept. You just have to get it down. But to do that in an imaginative way is sometimes quite difficult. And how do I get around that? I'd probably say I just keep at it, just keep thinking about it. Even if I'm not putting notes down on paper, I'll be thinking about how might I do this? All right, well, I'll try this. I'll try, oh, that doesn't work. And then just one time, that thing will work. Just a tiny, tiny idea, and that'll give you the idea for the next section. Yeah. You may delete the first bit of an idea that you had, but it's opened your mind to, to something the piece could be, and you're able to, to develop it from there. Yeah, so it's amazing when you put something to your brain to test yourself out. How your brain always seems to come up with the goods eventually. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah, certainly, it's a funny old thing. You've been a composer in residence, uh, an association with several brass bands. First yeah. of all, what's the difference between composer in residence and composer in association, or is there a difference? In my mind, I'd probably say there's not much difference. The title residence came about when I was. Um, up in Durham, so I was playing with Fishburne uh, weekly, so I saw them two or three times a week, I was living in Durham, so it was just a, a title that came about by that. Uh, Ebu Valley is a bit further away, so I'm not going to be sort of resident there or visiting yeah. the band on a daily, weekly basis, yeah. uh, so it's a bit more of a, a link. Um, but I'd probably say that there's no no difference between the terms. Just, um, just distance. <laughs> yeah, just a bit of distance, yeah. So, so it all came about because because I was at Fishburn. We would like uh, like a new piece, like an arrangement. Um, I was already writing at university, and some things they'd like, and sometimes they didn't. Some th things would be programmed, some things not. Um, yeah, it's that collaboration between the MDs at the time. It was Hugh Thomas and James Garlic now at Ballshurst and... Uh, Ebu, it's uh, Gareth Ritter linking up with these uh, MDs and, and uh, trying something a little bit different. Yeah, I suppose for your current band and for Fishburne, it would have been a perfect alliance because they're getting great benefit out of you and vice versa. Yeah, exactly that. They got new music. I got the opportunity to refine what I was doing. Yeah, with the bands now, all looking to do something a little bit different. Uh, Borsus, you may see like doing things with live electronics and they've been on uh, Coronation Street and uh, and the Queen's birthday celebrations on ITV, always looking to just do something that bit different. Yeah. And, and if they're doing something different, they need arrangements to do that and new works to do that with. So, yeah, very interesting to link up with these people and these bands. I've had a good look at your website and there's one interesting, I think, unique selling point for your music you leave it to the customer to decide how much they think it's worth. Where do you get that strategy from and does it work for you? Or? Yeah, so, yeah, the concept is that you pay what you want for any work that's published. So if I've written a work and I'm selling the score on, selling the parts on, then you can pay what you like. So the concept comes from the idea that I want to control my works. I'm able to distribute them uh, how I wish to anyone in the world. I'm not sort of tied into a publisher as such. The idea works because if, if you go to a publisher and they publish a work, and let's say for argument's sake that the score costs £40, I will only make a percentage of that. So I will make probably 
three, four pounds from that 40, meaning the publisher makes 37. So, of course, their, their split is divided down into, you know, other copyrights and other people who got to pay, things like that, printing costs, distribution, all those other costs. But I thought that that figure is quite a small figure. So the idea behind this is if a person comes up to me and says, all right, I'd like to buy this work for £10. Yeah, the minimum I've ever got for a piece of work was 15 that was the minimum anyone has ever offered for a work, £15. It means they could get two or three works for the normal price of one brass band score. Yeah. But I make three, four times what I would through a conventional publisher. The sales are smaller, of course, because I've not got that distribution network as yet. But people feel they're getting a good value product and hopefully they enjoy the works and will come back for another. Um, so that's the, the concept behind it. Sounds a good concept, actually, because, uh, yeah, it's like artwork as well. When you sell it, if you sell it through an a, I sell it through agents sometimes, you, you're right, you get a very small feedback out of it. Yeah. So, no, it's a good strategy. So if there's any bands listening out there that need music, then DaveCollins.com is definitely the place to go. DaveCollinsMusic.com. But... So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, the point is as well that, Bands will often, often buy music from these very, very, very big websites, um, you know, which have just have listings of works and upon work upon work. You don't get any real gist about what the piece is about. If someone contacts me directly, they can get a, you know, a score to see what's going on, a, a perusal score and a, a MIDI or a realization of the work, so they can they can see if it's suitable for their band. Sometimes people have asked for work and said, "Oh, we want to try this with my band." I says, "It's simply too difficult." You are, you know, you. It would be a waste of money yeah. for your band as a fourth section band to play this piece, which was written for a championship band. And so they feel, all right, okay, they've not been messed around. They've got a work that is suitable and uh, at an affordable price. It's a sort of a try before you buy, really, because they can get a good insight into what you've got on offer. That's great. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. They certainly can, because I don't want to deceive anyone by a work that they won't be able to get round. Which do you think is your greatest musical achievement so far in your career? Greatest musical achievement today? Well, I really enjoyed writing for Carlton Maine at the 2014 Brassing Concert Championships. It was uh, wonderful to be asked by Lee Baker to write um, the opener for their programme. Um, and it was called Broadway Boogie Woogie. I like the concept that Lee and the band had come up with of um, a modern pictures at an exhibition using contemporary artwork five brand new composers the other ones were johnny bates lucy pankhurst paul mcgee and ben hollings so all sort of emerging composers shall we say established emerging composers presenting new work i really enjoyed that it was great to see the band working it and get feedback again from a top top level band because it was draft after draft after draft i think there was eight drafts sent and things that worked well things that didn't work so well but overall was able to gain lots and lots of feedback on, on, on writing. Uh, some some good music for band, and the result was brilliant. I really enjoyed listening to it at the uh, at the Sage Gate set. Yeah, oh, that must be wonderful, just sitting there and listening to a really good band playing your work. It's got to be one of the best feelings in the world, that. Yeah, it certainly is, and the, you know, it was an in, it was an opener. So it was big and it was bright and it was, it hit you in the face. And uh, just the introduction of four bars, this massive sound coming at you, it was brilliant. 
that's the one end of the scale. Now, on the other end of the scale, is there any disasters that you've had, either as a composer or a player? Well, yeah, there's a there's a few, isn't there? I think the one that always sticks in my mind is a as an interesting story is when uh, I was with a band, and the band were um, invited across to Ireland to play in a festival, and the band was being sponsored by the festival to come across and perform. Uh, in a parade, uh, and then at the end of this parade, culmination of the parade, was to perform this hymn. And it was written by a, a writer uh, of the area, and they were celebrating his life. So the band were flown across. I was flown from Manchester and people from Newcastle and London. Uh, the band were flown across wherever they were to, to, to Ireland. We had a few days pottering around. We didn't have to pay for anything. Everything was paid for. Great, and we turned up. Went to this parade, did the parade, and get to the service at the end, just to perform, to perform this hymn uh, that we'd been flown all the way across for, this 30-piece band. Uh, and uh, the announcer says, oh, and now we'll play, we'll play this hymn, I'll sing this hymn. And uh, the MD lifts his arms up for the band, just about to play, and a local scout pipe and drum band started to play <laughs> the hymn. So we'd been flown hundreds of miles at great expense and the local scout band performed this hymn. And of course, everyone just sang along with the hymn, five or six verses. It's a, it was a long, long thing with this quite amateur scout and flute and pipe band. Uh, and then right at the end, the announcer felt so embarrassed. That he says, well, thank you very much to the band for coming across. Can we just hear you play one verse of it? So we then, in pity, asked to play one verse of this hymn. Uh, it was uh, it, it was a, a bit of a disaster. If you had the call to write the national championship test piece for the finals at the Royal Albert Hall, um, yeah, and we're asked to base it on a modern day brass band composer and a classical orchestral composer of your choice, so a bit of a mix, really. Yeah, what would your choice be and why? Well, for my classical orchestral composer, I'd probably go for somebody like. John Cage, Steve Reich, a minimalist composer. I like concepts, I like ideas, and uh, and their compositions do that. They're often, you know, very conceptual, uh, think outside the box, and uh, and do something uh, a bit unexpected. Uh, so I do enjoy those those composers a lot, and do try and emulate some of their techniques in, in things I do. As for a brass band composer, there's, everyone has their own individual compositional voice, but somebody that I really admire is um, is Paul McGee. Uh, I like how uncompromising he is with his musical ideas. I like how he is uh, innovative in the sounds that he uses in the brass band, the way he incorporates more contemporary techniques into the band. Some of his pieces like the Abide With Me and the Lullaby and his Monet and the Embankment are... Absolutely stunning works. He's been a great influence through working with me on uh, on a work for a Bolsover contest with the uh, Poulton Band. He wrote a piece with me called uh, The Golden Age for that contest, you know, and it's given lots of encouragement. So I would say Paul McGee for his uncompromising approach to writing for Brass Band and uh, John Cage or Steve Wright for their uh, conceptual insights into writing their music. 
Right. So that's the ones you admire. Right. The other end of the scale. (laughs) Is there a composer, well, we'll say no longer living for fear of litigation and being sued, is that uh, you would wish had decided to follow a different career? Yeah. Uh, This was difficult because, (laughs) you know, there's lots of music that I sort of would turn off if I was listening to the radio. You know, but trying to trying to pin down a person, and I, I would probably go for, you know, for risk of uh, risk of being attacked in the street. I think I'd probably go for somebody like Mozart. <laughs> I just find it all a lot of Mozart, very formulaic, lots of cadences. It always keeps stopping and starting, and uh, for me, it, it's too much of a of a pattern of a musical. Uh, sort of structure in, in a lot of his works that just really don't inspire me and uh, lend me to turn off. Yeah. Going forward to the modern era, are there any brass band composers, we'll keep them nameless for now, that you think, oh, why did they write that? I would probably say no. I, there's certain composers whose style that I don't particularly like, that I wouldn't particularly emulate, but then they are uh, their own voices. Uh, and if and if they want to write that, then they can do. I wouldn't choose to do the same. A composer that I may dislike one work of, I may really like on a different work. So no, there's nobody that sticks in my mind in particular as having a style that I would not listen to. Well, that was very very diplomatic, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a time machine and could go back to when you started playing a brass instrument, what advice would you give the young Dave Collins? I definitely think the advice to myself would be to to do some practice. The amount of opportunities that I got through the music service were brilliant uh, and in all honesty just coasted by and regretting that a bit now. I've had, you know, the opportunity to have lessons with some brilliant teachers as well and I don't think I feel fully utilised that and fulfilled what they could offer. So I definitely think do a bit of practice. Definitely got a bit more into it now, playing with Milner again and practicing again. And who knows where I could be? I could have been the top man at Black Dyke or something if I'd uh, put in a, a half an hour every day. But there we are. That would be my advice to myself. Well, there's still plenty of time to do that. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Same time machine now, and you can land in Durham as you start your first day in uni. Is there anything you would have told yourself then? Take every opportunity, or whatever uh, idea comes your way. Take it. You'll meet somebody, you'll meet a new connection. You'll do a bit of work, and some work won't be as beneficial as others, but you'll learn from every situation. Uh, I've you know, been quite fortunate to always have that sort of mentality. But there were a few things that I didn't, didn't do that might have opened different doors. And it's only years down the line, like now, when you start to realise those ideas are being returned by people who like you were doing projects as favours for friends and things like that, I've now developed into into uh, professionals and are now coming back to you to ask for different projects and more exciting projects. So advice would be definitely take every opportunity and learn from every situation. Yeah. So where would you like to be in 10 years' time? 10 years' time? Well, yeah, probably like to be conducting good band with some good music being played around around the uh, around the country uh, I'd like to travel as much as possible meet as many bands as I can around the world that'd be fantastic and if conducting composing is able to do that then I'd be very happy in 10 years time 
What projects have you got in the pipeline for your compositions? Coming up, I've got some interesting things. I've got uh, starting to write a new test piece uh, at the minute. Hopefully a work based upon uh, uh, volcanoes and things like that. So um, very programmatic type work. So we're writing a new test piece. Also got a work at uh, a theatre project, which uh, will involve brass at the uh, West Yorks Playhouse. Uh, so doing work on some compositions and arrangements for that. Uh, other than that, just a few few commissions. We've got stuff for the Durham Miners Gala coming up, doing a piece for um, Brass Sounds in the Clyde as they climb Ben Nevis. They've written a new fanfare as they reach the top of that. Uh, so, yeah, a variety of interesting projects uh, on the go. Look forward to complete my Masters, which will involve a large negotiated task. And, yeah, who knows where we'll be next year. And it'd be interesting to hear this fanfare on the top of Ben Nevis after they've climbed up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, Dave, well, it's been really interesting talking to you. Um, I found it fascinating, especially the uh, an insight into how you go about your compositions, where you get the ideas from and developing them. Um, I've enjoyed talking to you. I've enjoyed playing your music as well at Ebba Valley Brass. Get some very good feedback from our band. And uh, I hope you uh, continue tuning out a lot more music. Before we go, where can people get hold of you if they want either to buy your music or if they're looking for a commission for your music? The best place really is uh, my website, uh, which is uh, davecollinsmusic.com. Lots of uh, information on there. Uh, contact box. Or all my details are on the Four Bars Rest classified page as well, so you can find my email and my phone number on there. Generally pretty easy to get hold of via Twitter as well or on Facebook. Uh, anywhere you can think of, I, I'm uh, happy to be to be approached. So, yeah, my website, davecollinsmusic.com. All my details on Four Bars Rest or via Twitter or Facebook. And I look forward to hearing from anybody. That's great. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you very much. So thanks for listening to this edition of the Nezion Brass podcast and catch you on the next one.